This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Well, let's move on here because uh, we mentioned, and I'll list these again, outside of Frank Vogel, who's already interviewed apparently. You've got Sam Cassell, Sixers assistant coach, obviously, of Rockets fame from the 90s. Um, they've requested to interview Kenny Atkinson, who is an assistant coach for the Golden State Warriors. Um, Adrian Griffin. Um, who's been a lead assistant for a number of teams. Adrian Griffin's been a lead assistant for at least three teams um, and obviously played in the league. Kevin Young, who is uh, with the Phoenix Suns, and James Borrego, who was most recently the head coach uh, of the Hornets, um, but also has a background um, with the Spurs, was a longtime assistant with the Spurs, if I remember correctly. Right. So what was that? Oh, yeah, and Coach Orlando, that's right, because he he took over for How did that work? He took over for Jacques Vaughn, and I, yeah. believe, I believe Frank Vogel took over for him. I might have that. I might, you know, I might have that off by a year. I think there might have been Scott Skiles might have been in there for a year in between, but there wasn't much overlap between um, the the Vaughn Borrego duo to to Vogel. But I think there was one. I think there was a Scott Skiles year in between that group. Yeah, because I feel like did. I thought Borrego worked for Scott Skiles, but either way, I could be I, now. Now I'm confused, but but either way, that's it. That's who he is, and uh, and of course, we mentioned earlier, Ime Udoka is a clear and obvious candidate who we expect them to talk to or interview at some point. Uh, should be hearing about that. Let's start with Sam Cassell here for obvious reasons. Um, we talked about him a little bit in the last one because you mentioned him as kind of a. I don't know if sleeper is the right word, but just as a name to look out for, someone to think about when we're starting to to talk about Rockets head coaching candidates. And now they've been uh, they've been given permission by the by the by the Sixers to interview Sam Cassell. What do you think about this? I'm I am a fan of this. I don't think that Sam Cassell is necessarily the best candidate that they have on this list. But I do think for, for me personally. He's the most, and he is the one that I am most intrigued by for a number of reasons. What do you think about him as a candidate? Well, he, he's certainly not the most qualified. Like, let's get that out of right. There. Yes, you know, we're going to be talking about a bunch of guys who have already been head coaches before and already had a lot of success as head coaches before in the league. But he is intriguing because he's a guy who has really paid his dues as an assistant. He did it in Washington, and then he's been with Doc Rivers now for almost a decade, both in LA and now in Philly. And he's interviewed for multiple head coach jobs, you know, in the past, including the Rockets back uh, in 2020 after Mike D'Antoni left. So he's been on the radar for a lot of teams now for a while. He just hasn't been able to get that one job. But obviously he links the, the, the Rockets love talking about the past. They love talking about 94. They love talking about 95. There's a room in Toyota Center called the 94-95 room. You know, it's a big deal that they obviously those are the two championships. They they love reminiscing. It's all they got, it's all they got Adam. It's all they got. It is. So. 
Um, so that they, they love reminiscing on that past. He kind of links that past with the future. I, I do think that's something that they would value. So I, I certainly think that he should be in the mix. Again, he's earned that opportunity. Um, he has, he's paid his dues as an assistant coach, and that's what you, you want to see. And he also has a little bit of a connection now with James Harden, having coached him now for the last season and a half. I, I don't know if, you know, if Harden is his pregame workout guy. I, I'm not sure. I, I have not seen Sixers workouts, you know, pregame workouts this season. So I don't know if that's the case. But again, they've worked together for a while, so I imagine they do have some sort of a relationship, which could matter when we get to the summer. Yeah. So Sam Cassell, there's obviously some nostalgia and connection to the area and to the franchise that we've already gone over. So that there is that. But beyond that, just as a coach, you mentioned him paying his dues. Like specifically, I like the way, like aside from just paying the dues, I like the way that he's mentored young players. And, you know, there's a respect level that comes with him being Sam Cassell. But specifically as a coach, you know, John Wall, you want to talk about degrees of separation and connections. You know, John Wall is somebody who has credited Sam Cassell for his early development, for being there early on um, in his time in Washington. Um, there, and there have been a number of players who talk about, you know, using Sam Cassell as some sort of counsels and, and using him as somebody that, um, that they trust and that they'll talk that they'll talk to and that they whose opinion that they really believe in how that like how his credibility in basketball circles translates to being a head coach i'm not exactly sure but i'm interested to, to see it i would be interested to see it i think it's you know intriguing um, and beyond that i would say the thing that i like most about sam cassell is his temperament or the fact that it, that I, I know I feel pretty comfortable saying that Sam Cassell has an edge to him, you know, just from being around him as a little child at the Fondy Rec Center all the way up to very recently the video, like at the very least, Adam, we can say this and this, you know, we'll talk about this, what, the, what this team needs exactly uh, in terms of culture shifts and, and things like that. That's something we'll get into, but but one thing that I think that the head coach could use or th that they wouldn't mind having, um, and you talk about going in a different direction from the guy that you just let go or the guy that you just had in that position, is somebody with a little bit of an edge to him. And Sam Cassell's got that because I've seen him on video. We've seen this. Sam Cassell, MFing, James Harden in a drill. Like and and they didn't get into like it wasn't confrontational. It was just like, well, it was you know somewhat confrontational, but it was basically like nah, like correcting them like mf or no, like this, you know, seeing like basically standing up to the uh, to the star player. Um, and, and let's be let's just be honest. And I'm stating the obvious here: there is not a player until until and if they sign James Harden back on this team, there is not a player who is as accomplished as that. On this team, I feel like he comes in with instant credibility, but also comes in with a little bit of an edge to him and can can somewhat relate to the players, connect to the players, but also really hold them accountable and and, and grab their attention in ways that that maybe they they haven't in, in the past or the way that the coaches haven't in the past. So uh, so I'd, I'd be interested to see that just from a personality standpoint, like how that would mesh and how his mentorship would go with Houston's young players like Jalen Green and, you know, Kevin Porter Jr. And, of course, Jabari Smith, who is somebody who I think would take well, specifically Jabari Smith, who would take well to Sam Cassell's coaching. 
Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I'm I find that intriguing. I find him intriguing as a guy who uh who like you mentioned and I think appropriately mentioned is not even the first, second, or even probably third most qualified guy among this list of candidates. Yeah, and I do think they want somebody who is going to be, I guess, a little more heavy-handed. Yeah. And I do think that that's one of the areas with Silas that it's just not who he is. You know, Silas just isn't going to be that heavy-handed type of guy. You know, he said the one time that he – one of the times, at least we know about, where he really got on guys was um, during that shoot-around against Minnesota. And he said, you know, once word got out about that, that shoot-around, you know, he basically said, I, I come from the school of Don Nelson. And Don Nelson said, you get six bullets a year. You know, I, I can I can really go at guys really six times because after that it start it kind of starts to fall on deaf ears a little bit. You know, I don't know if that's the case. I I don't, I don't know. I you know I'm not sure how NBA players think, but at the same time, I do think that you need to you know be willing to do it more than the six times. You know what I mean? Um, just have a little bit more fire just with that sort of stuff, especially with a young group. You know, it, I think it's different with a vet, with a veteran group, a veteran group, they can kind of police themselves. I think that's what made Mike D'Antoni really effective with those Rockets teams in, in 2018, 2019, 2017, 2018, 2019, because they had a bunch of vets who just knew how to police themselves and they held each other accountable. You know, I think that that's what you want out of a veteran team. They don't necessarily need the coach to do it, but with a younger team, you do kind of need the co the coach to do it because you don't have anybody else who really has the uh, you know the uh, the sway within the locker room, or I guess the uh, I don't know the best word to say it, but they they just they don't they don't have that you know yeah you just, the equity the, yeah the equity yeah, or the or the credibility yeah. and all of that yeah you, you just can't do it at, at a, you can't do it when you're 22 you just yeah. can't so. So that's why I do think that you need that a little bit more as a head coach. And, you know, Sam Cassell is a guy who has had had success as a player. He won three championships as a player. And he was, you know, a very, very important part of two of those. So I, I think that that matters as well. What do you think of M.A. Udoka as a candidate for the Rockets, as a head coaching candidate? I don't know exactly. Like, like he's been really good. He's a really good assistant. Was really good in his year with the Celtics. Obviously, a very odd way for his tenure to end there. I don't even know if you can call it, can you call it a year, tenure. Um, but his time there, I don't know what the right word is there. But, like, it's just an odd – like, to me, if I'm talking M.A. Udoka, the, the, the only drawback of M.A. Udoka is the awkwardness of it. You know, like, just not really knowing, hey, what's going on here? What happened here? What, what are you doing? Or can I, should I even ask? I don't know. Like, it's just weird. And, you know, just – just the fact that he came from a highly successful team that went to the finals and then all of a sudden he wasn't the coach anymore. Like what to do with that is, is strange. But then it, once you get past that part of it, if you can, and just get to the basketball part, it's like, yo, if they could get in a Udoka, that is like, you know, close, pretty close to optimal. What do you think about him as a candidate for them? Well, he doesn't have a job for a reason. I mean, let that just, I think that's the, the key part is that there is a reason he doesn't have a job right now. So yeah. I have to know exactly what happened in Boston. I have to know every single detail of that story before I even go there. And yeah. he's got to be upfront about it. He's going to have to be upfront about it in public if you do hire him, but I need to know all the details there. Um, I, I, and again, I don't know what happened, um, but you hear player i remember there was the stuff after it happened and i think it was matt barnes who was saying how this was such an injustice and you know the, the celtics are doing him dirty 
And then he went on like an Instagram live or something a few days later. Yep. Yeah. Nope. You know what? I was wrong. <laughs> the Celtics were totally in the right. Yeah. Now time has passed since that actually happened. But again, I need to know what went down. So, but you know what? That's a, that's a, I'm glad you pointed that out because I remember that. And that's a key moment, a key like moment in time. It feels like where this happens with Matt Barnes and it's not like, like we know Matt Barnes has a podcast and does media and everything, but it's not just some gas bag out there giving a take. And, right. It's not us giving a take and then rethinking it and walking it back, you know, a little bit later. It's somebody who is informed and connected in the league, you know, in, in Matt Barnes, who thought one thing that that, let's be honest, seemed kind of atypical. For somebody, if we're a jock or somebody in that role to say, like, if we're honest, like, kind of like, oh, of course, you would say something like that. It's like, oh, you kind of eye roll. And then somebody clearly checked him on it and was like, nah, man, let me tell you. Man, we don't know, to be clear, we don't know what they told him, but we just know that they must have told him something because he come back singing a different song. So, so yeah, I, I don't know what to do with that at all. It feels like. It feels like everybody got uncomfortable with it. it like once it all kind of came out, like with the, I, I guess more so with the way it was presented or the way that it came out. And that sort of got in the way of getting down to the truth of the matter or figuring out like at the very least, you know, like publicly, we should understand how egregious of a thing we're talking about here or what exact, what exactly are we talking about here? You know, um, and I don't even want to like, <laughs> I mean, we've all heard rumors. Like, yeah. I don't even, I don't even want to like put, put out the, yeah. You know what I mean? You, you feel what I'm saying? Like, I'm kind of like towing this line. Like, I don't even want to like put out there what we've heard, but like, whatever it is, we need a little bit more, a little bit. We need a lot more clarity on it than what we have to kind of feel good and comfortable with, with even going there. Uh, like I said, from a basketball standpoint, it's like an obvious play. He's number one just yeah. on basketball. Yeah, it's an it's such an obvious play on a basketball standpoint. Like you said, number one, arguably. And then and but it's just the other stuff, and you're like, okay, uh, you know, you want to feel good about about a, a new hire. You know, you don't want to go into it with with those kind of uh, uncomfortable feelings or, or or feeling like you're misleading your the, the public or like you you know like you haven't fully vetted the thing or whatever it is so they like you i just reiterate what you said you definitely need to fully vet that um and, and it's worth doing um considering what i feel like it could mean like i i been fascinated with the idea of emi udoka in, in any environment in any setup young players veterans he's that guy's just a good coach you know now what kind of guy he is i have no idea i have no clue um, and, and what all of this is about, the reason why he could lead a team to the finals. Now, uh, granted, a, a team that was already good when he got there, but a, a lead a team to the finals and not be working there the next year and 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 have, like, vague explanations for why, yeah, um, we, we, we need to know more about that. Um, definitely need to know more about that. Um, but it's a... It's a fascinating kind of hypothetical. Okay, let, let's just real quick before we move on. Well, just, well, oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead. One more thing on Udoka. Yeah, of if course. Do, for, it, the thing is, if you hire him, then he's, like I said, he has got to explain everything that went down. Like, he just has to because those questions are going to be there. That's what the press conference will be if he when he is introduced. If he is introduced as the next head coach of the Rockets, 
that is what the press conference is going to be about. It's going to be about what happened in Boston. And if you answer, if you give me a bunch of non-answers or if you dance around it, or if you say that's in the past, I'm here to, you know, talk about the future. That's not going to work, you know? So, and, and yeah. it's going to continue to follow him around the, all of training camp, all of the season. So if you do hire him, you've got to be forthcoming about everything because you can't just go from I'm coaching in the NBA finals to a few months later, I've now been suspended indefinitely. And then very quietly, the Celtics just, you know, cut all ties with him. I mean, that's a story. So why he is available is a huge, huge story. And it's one thing to vet him, but then you also have to be forthcoming about what happened and why you were available in the first place, or it's going to follow you around for a long time. It's, It's going to continue to follow you around and the organization around. Yeah, and I'm trying to figure out the the right way to say this without being irresponsible. What I'm trying to say here is, like, if there is a question of M.A. Udoka's character or discipline, which I think is what the heart of what's going on is, like, has a lot to do with character, discipline, um, outside of the basketball realm. Okay, in in like personal and life and encounters and and endeavors, if there is an issue and question about that with him, that's serious enough for him to be out of a job after success where he came from. If the, if if there is a, a serious enough question about that, there's also there also has to be a serious enough question if that's the type of person that you are trying to bring around young players that you're trying to mold and develop. You know, you say what you want about Stephen Silas, but my goodness. You know, I've got a seven-year-old son, and I can just hope to God that he is like a man, something like Steven Silas, you know, to hell with basketball. You know what I mean? Like the type of people that you're trying to bring around your organization and and specifically, um, I'm not trying to make it seem like he's he's coming to be their dad, but like that type of figure, you know, that type of, you know, and I don't know, like again, not father figure, but a mentor, leader, leadership type of figure for young guys who were born in the early 2000s. Okay. Like you want, you want that guy to be somebody that you feel good about being an influence, uh, a heavy influence on your young players. So that's what I yeah, and, and this is America. Everyone gets second chances in America. But again, yep. you got to be coming about why you need the second chance in the first place. So be honest, be forthright be you know be apologetic all that stuff but if you try and dance around it that's not going to work it's not going to work ebay motors is here for the ride remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease fresh installs and a whole lot of love you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own look to your left look to your right it's official no one's got a ride like this there's nothing else that sounds like feels like or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Let's just run through real quick, rapid fire through these other candidates. We got Kim, and we mentioned some of them before, but we've got Kenny Atkinson, 
Adrian Griffin, Kevin Young, James Borrego. Who stands out to you? Just kind of give me your rapid fire thoughts on any and all of them. Uh, Adrian Griffin reminds me a lot of Sam Cassell. Uh, doesn't have quite the playing, doesn't have the playing yes, resume. That's um, a good point. The last in the organization, but he's been an assistant coach now for a while. A uh, I, was actually, I was actually looking. Um, so um, James Borrego, who I'll talk about in a second, uh, he he was the interim coach in Orlando when uh, when they fired Jacques Vaughn. And then Scott Skiles took over the next year and Adrian Griffin was one of his assistants. And then Skiles was gone after a year and then they hired Frank Vogel at that point. So okay. Griffin around, you know, he, he coached under, like I say, just co he coached under Scott Skiles. He's coached under Billy Donovan. He's coached under Nick Nurse, who is another guy who I'm sure we'll get to at some point during this process. So the resume is really strong. I think it's only a matter of time that he becomes a head coach in, in the NBA. Atkinson, we've talked about him. Uh, we talked about him, you know, the last time really strong resume having dealt with you know teams that are are young but you know the teams that he had success with in brooklyn were not teams that you say oh this is a, this team is super talented that those weren't his teams they were kind of you know underappreciated and he, and he made them into something and he built them into something and he really you know we'll talk about culture but he really kind of built that culture into what it was in brooklyn and then the stars got there and they kind of ruined the whole thing um young um from Phoenix is a, is an interesting name because in a sense, he's kind of like what Silas would have been like a decade ago, a, a young, really strong X's and O's guy. Uh, Devin Booker has spoken really highly of him in Phoenix. I'm not sure if he's the top assistant um, in, in Phoenix right now, but he's, I mean, he, he has kind of climbed up the ladder there uh, since Monty Williams took over. He's been with Monty Williams essentially uh, that entire stretch. So I think it's only a matter of time before he gets a head coaching job. But I don't know if that, it might be a little early for that at this stage, especially when, you know, the other guys that we're talking about have been head coaches in the league. And then Borrego is a really interesting case because, you know, he had the the Orlando interim thing aside that, you know, kind of throw that away but spent a lot of time with the Spurs under Greg Popovich. And he was kind of a stealth finalist for the job in 2016 when they hired D'Antoni. And he's people think really highly of him. And he had a pretty decent run in Charlotte. And just for whatever reason, those seasons ended so poorly. And I don't know if he clashed with LaMelo Ball or what exactly the problem was, but they got to the play-in, you know, a couple times, and then they just got blown out of the play-in games. Um, so, he had kind of a weird exit and it was a big surprise when, when they fired him in Charlotte last year, but you know, Charlotte's kind of a dysfunctional run organ, you know, dysfunctionally run organization at this point. So maybe you get him into a different environment and that works better, but he's an interesting name. And I think that he's one of those guys. Remember Terry Stotts Stotts mm -hmm. kind of got fired a couple different times. He had got a couple of bad jobs. He was in Milwaukee. He's in Atlanta, really no chance of winning back in the early two thousands. And then he got to Portland and it was a completely different situation. And they had a good infrastructure and they had a great player in Damian Lillard. And they had a ton of success during his stretch. There. They never won a championship, but you know, it wasn't because of coaching. So that to me is almost what James, what you could have with James Borrego, someone where you get him into a better situation, a better, you know, a better opportunity. He could really run with it. So I, I do think that makes him kind of an interesting name during this process. Yeah, with Borrego, I asked this somewhat tongue-in-cheek, but kind of seriously. I, I wonder what folks that are part of the Orlando Magic, like, and and then more specifically the, the Hornets organization, can you really blame someone for failing with the Hornets? 
Like he, he, didn't, he didn't really fail though. Yeah. Well, exactly. Well, and, and when when I say fail, Adam, all I all I'm talking about is getting fired. You know, mm-hmm. like I'm I'm not even talking about his record. Like, yeah, I would agree with you. Like, I mean, it was a to, to talking about making lemonade out of taking lemons and making lemonade. Figure you did the best you could with it being Charlotte, but like you get fired from Charlotte and you're like, well, what was he supposed to do there? You know, with with the way that that organization is run. So. Uh, so so yeah, I, I I think that that's uh, that that James Borrego is an interesting one. The only thing, and the, and the reason why I feel like that question about it is can you hold that against a guy getting fired from from Charlotte? It's like okay, well he was in Charlotte, you know, like if Charlotte didn't want him, you know, why is he good enough? Yeah, I mean, like is he is it worth it? You know, like it's kind of like a almost like a lazy throwaway. But I, I think when you look at his background. And the actual kind of just peel the layer back a little bit. You'll see that there's actually something to to the to him there, you know, um, specifically with the Spurs background, and and even getting that job, like the 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 interim. Like I'm trying to remember exactly how that season went, where he takes over, but but you you get those jobs, like they like they make you the interim and 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 show that extra vote of confidence. And I feel like it was early on when he took over that year too, and they they give you that extra vote of confidence. I feel like for a reason. You know, like you mentioned, he's a highly thought of guy, super respected guy. So that I find to be really interesting. Obviously, Kenny Atkinson is somebody who's been around forever, has a background. Uh, another another guy on this list we're talking about, along with Frank Vogel and Emi Odoka, who's already been a successful head coach. You've seen it already. So he would be, to me, toward the top of the list for that reason. Um, for that reason alone, having had success as a head coach already, we've seen it. Um, and then Adrian Griffin, we I mentioned earlier about him being a lead assist, the guy is like, you know, you mentioned earlier, very, very much analogous to Sam Cassell in the sense of former player who's been an assistant for a decade, uh, but been a lead assistant at a number of places now. Um, and, and you laid it out a, a moment ago with the Orlando background, but did it under Billy Donovan with the Thunder. He's um, been under Nick Nurse. Um, and we can get into Nick Nurse as well here um, in a moment. But Adrian Griffin re- reminds me of Cassell in the sense of somebody that has put in the work, put in the time, been respected enough to be a lead assistant in multiple places. And so makes it makes a lot of sense for this to be like a, the next logical step for him, you know, to kind of be like next up in a, in a position like this. And I, I kind of like the coaches, you know, who have been career assistants but they have coached under a lot of different head coaches. That was one of the things that you kind of like about Silas, that Silas worked, you know, he coached under his dad, but he also coached under Don Nelson. He coached under Rick Carlisle. I I think that stuff, and he coached under uh, Steve Clifford as well. I mean, that stuff matters. You look at Adrian Griffin. um, He coached under um, Scott Skiles in Milwaukee and in Orlando. He coached under Tibbs in Chicago. He's coached under Billy Donovan. He's coached under Nick Nurse. I mean, those are a bunch of really good head coaches that that, that are on that list. And for him to have learned under them i think that that matters so you know i think i don't know if it's kind of a strike against cassell but the fact that cassell has spent really not not his entire career because he did have those years in washington but such a a a majority of his career has been under just doc rivers so the fact that you have a guy in griffin who has coached under a lot of different coaches and seen a lot of different styles and seen kind of, so he has kind of an idea of what he thinks works and what he thinks doesn't work. I think that's important also. Do you think that they could even 
uh, just on the because we mentioned we did mention Kevin Young. I, I kind of want to go back here real quick. Do you think they could go that route again? Like after fire after dismissing a, a, a Steven Silas and you're transitioning, you say you need a new voice. It would obviously be a new voice because it'd be a different person. But it seems like it would be a similar profile in terms of uh, Young and, and, and Silas. I should I should be maybe maybe that's not fair because he's been a, an assistant for so long. And he and he looks a lot younger than he actually is. But I, maybe the the better way to frame this question is: after going with a first time head coach, can you then go with such a young coach or such a um, inexperienced coach to to back that up? Like, does it does it feel like it's got to be one of these more experienced guys, or could they go outside of the box and get like an up and comer? You would think that they would go for someone with more experience, but you know, you sit down with one of these guys and you talk to him and say, Hey, this is our guy. You know, maybe, maybe they just blow you away with just the vision that they have. And I think that's what matters when you get into the room more than anything else. And, and Rafael Stone said this on Monday is that you want somebody who shares your vision in the future of the organization. So if any of these assistants who don't have any head coaching experience come and they say they, they they're in the room and they, they kind of run down what their vision is for the future. And it feels like they have a great plan. And the, the, the guys who have head coaching experience don't, then you got a guy with, you got to go with the guy whose vision is aligned with yours, because I think that's how you have a good working relationship. And I think that's how you grow as an organization. So it all depends on what happens in the room. I mean, if one guy blows you away, then maybe that's the guy that you have to go with. I don't think that you can kind of lock yourself in this box of, well, we want to get, we, we hired a first time head coach the first time. We can't do that now. Now we have to go with somebody who doesn't have any experience. I mean, you got to go with who you think is going to be the best guy. I don't think you can say, I don't think you can say, oh, we got it. We, we did box A the, the last time. So we got to go to box B this time. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I feel like that's more of a tendency, but I agree with you wholeheartedly. Yeah. You got to go with whoever your convictions say is the best guy for the position. Let me ask you this about Nick Nurse. Mm -hmm. What's going on with Nick Nurse, man? I wish I could tell you. What the hell is that about? You know, like, I don't get it. The guy, I mean, now, I mean, <laughs> I guess the the recency bias uh, would say you know um, play in tournament. I don't know. Like to me, Nick Nurse should have some sort of built up. I mentioned the word equity earlier. It feels like he should have some built up equity within the Raptors organization, and that, and that he should have some kind of connection there of wanting to be there. Um, and maybe it is a matter of money. I don't know. I don't. What the hell is going on there? Like. They, if there's anything they should be wanting to keep, it feels like it should be Nick Nurse. Um, that that to me would also be odd for different reasons, obviously, but that would also be odd if he were to be available to me. It, sometimes you just need to change the scenery, and yeah. I, yeah. I think that both sides could probably say, you know what, we need we just I think we might be better off, you know, both sides just moving in a different direction. I I don't know the inner workings of Toronto. I don't know that relationship between Nick Nurse and Masai Ujiri. Maybe they aren't quite as aligned now as as they were in the past. I mean, that organization feels like it's in a little bit of flux where you have these young guys on, on one hand, and then you've got kind of the the holdovers from the championship team with Van Bleed and, and with Ananobi. Um, so yes, Yakum yeah. also. So they're. They're in kind of a they're in a little bit of a purgatory right now, so I I, I don't know. It, it's a uh, it is odd to say the least. Um, 
you know, the way that that season went down, there were some really high expectations for them. You know, last year they won 40 plus games. They, they were the sixth seed in the East. You know, they took a couple games off Philly in the first round and you felt that, you know, that organization is only going up because all those guys were young. They were bringing back the entire roster and then it, they, it just, they never fired off this year for whatever reason. So um, I, I would love to know the inner workings of what went down there. But I don't think there's any doubt that Nick Nurse would be a quality, you know, head coach that you want to look at. It's just, you know, for the from from a Rocket standpoint, you know, if he's making eight to ten million dollars in in Toronto, he's going to want more than that. You know, you're going to have to make a huge financial commitment in order to hire a guy like Nick Nurse, and I well, we'll have to wait and see if the Rockets would be willing to do that. Yeah, yeah, man, it's just a. It's just an odd thing. I, I guess I hadn't thought about that too, though. How you mentioned that they got the the weird combination of players, though, as well of you know the holdovers and the new guys, you know, the old guard and the new guard. It, it's a it's an interesting thing. Um, but Nick Nurse being available um, is, <laughs> you know, again to have. Let's just put it like this: to be in a hiring cycle where you could potentially have. Two guys, two two former head coaches, or and and I guess in Nurse's case, still a head coach, but two coaches who have won a championship be available to you, and another one who went to one in his first year as a head coach, and another guy who has had success as a head coach, and Kenny Atkinson, who would be I guess you know throw him forth in there. Um, that's wild to me that like. That, that that that's the opportunity in front of you that and that's not to say that all of those guys necessarily would say would for sure say yes to the rockets i'm sure if you threw them enough money they probably would but just the idea that you could be in that situation to me like i opened this thing up with got to be exciting for rockets fans i'll just ask you this question before we move on well and, and oh, one more, yeah, yeah for sure normally when you get into these cycles you might have 5 6 7 maybe even 8 jobs available yeah. But right now, you got one other job. It's the Rockets and Pistons right now. And it seems like the Pistons are going with a completely different list of candidates to fill their job. So you, a lot of times you'll have maybe you'll have a bunch of jobs open and you'll have the same teams competing for the same names. It seems like right now you have two jobs that are open and those teams are competing for completely different names at this point. So you essentially almost have your pick of whoever you want. That, at least that's what it feels like right now. Yeah. It seems like the only one, the only crossover I saw, and, and I'm, I'm just, I'm throwing this out there cause I didn't I just saw it in the headline. Uh, but uh, the only crossover I saw was Doka for, for the Pistons. Mm -hmm. So other than that, I don't know of any other crossover. And Udoka, obviously, like like we say, there's some complications there that speak to his candidacy and 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 how good you want, might feel about that. But if 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 all is clear and it's just about basketball, if you could answer for the other things um, that 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 honestly are, are more important and can be more important, um, then you know that's that would be an interesting sort of bidding war possibility there, uh, and which which. Again, to my last question on this. For you, out of the candidates that we've gone over, if you were to say of a best fit, who do you think is the best fit for the Rockets in their position now? Is that even something that we could that we could ascertain at this point? Um, or is it is it more about just kind of the opportunity? Like like and by that I mean you know, is it 
is it fair to compare some of these other situations, some of their other experience to the ones that they're going to have now? Like, is it, should we just wipe the slate clean for some of these guys? And, and then especially the ones who haven't, obviously who haven't done it, you know, who haven't seen do it. Like, how would you, how would you sort of view this from a fit standpoint based off of the candidates that we got? In all honesty, the best fit is probably somebody who, who we didn't talk about today. And that's Scott Brooks, because Scott Brooks, is a head coach that has that has basically coached the exact situation that the Rockets are in right now, and he's had success with it. So to me, if you're just looking for overall, who would be like, because I know, I know what Scott Brooks can do with a really, really young team, because I've seen it happen. It happened, you know, less, it happened a little more than a decade ago. So that's why I, I would say him, again, it kind of falls into the same um, box as Vogel, where he's not going to be the most exciting name out there, but I do know what he can do in this type of a situation. I, I don't think the Rockets have requested to interview him yet, which is somewhat surprising because he was one of the names that we talked about on Sunday. But that, to me, might be the guy who would be the best fit. Of the guys that we talked about, I, I don't know. I, I hesitate to say Vogel, but I do think that he would certainly help them. I don't know how he would do with the team this young. Because, you know, while he had a, a youngish team in Indiana, you still had David West, who was older. You, um, you had, uh, I don't know if you necessarily call Roy Hibbert older, uh, but he was a guy who had at least been to college for a while. Yeah, so he, Dan, uh, Danny, Danny what, Granger and George yeah, Hill were on that team. Yeah, yeah. George Hill's a really good name uh, that he had there, too. So it's not like he had a bunch of 22-year-olds there. But they were a team that when he got there, they had not won. And then that that group really grew together uh, with the, you know, with Paul George, you know, developing and, and adding George Hill to that mix. So I, I don't think you can go wrong with Vogel. I don't think you can really go wrong with any of these. I mean, I think that's why it's a really good situation because really all that matters is the talent on the roster. And and I think that we would all agree the talent on the roster is, is solid at this point. It's just about, you know, those guys getting better. And a lot of that happens, you know, organically. So I don't think that they can really go. I, I don't know. I, I guess the better question is, is there anybody on this list that you would say this would be a disaster? Mm. Well, I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, for basketball reasons, no. Uh, Kevin Young for me is the biggest question mark because I feel like that's who we know least about. He's yeah, he's forty-one. Yeah, so I mean, just just based off of least information, I would say Kevin Young. Um, and then and then of course for for non-basketball reasons, of course the MAU Doka thing that's out there. Uh, but but of course if that if like you don't even you don't even do it if that's an issue, mm -hmm. right? And if it's not, then I mean that ceiling's pretty high on that. So. So yeah, no, no. I would say there is not a candidate on here. Okay, Kevin Kevin Young will come the closest. Um, I'll say this though about Scott Brooks, and I mean this is no disrespect, but the 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 difference though, the key difference is by the time Scott Brooks got there, I feel like we had a pretty good sense for Kevin Durant was going to be something like Kevin Durant. You know that Kevin Durant was a very rare and different type of figure and player on your team and i don't feel like we can say that about any rockets player yet like as far as having that type that level of foundational piece and that's not a knock on anybody right oh you're not kevin durant oh well sue me right like he kevin durant is arguably one of one and 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 in rarefied era in like nba history in terms of scores and players so there's no shame in that but that is the difference and then russell westbrook in his own right i think 
you know, I think ideally you're feeling like you've got players that, that could be on that trajectory to be that level of player. But I don't feel like you know that for sure yet in, no. in terms of Russell Westbrook winning an MVP and just, to, I mean, his career speaks for him for itself. I don't have to rattle off everything that he's done. So, like, you get it. Uh, they they definitely had players that early on you were able to identify and say, oh, the, these are different kind of guys, you know, upper echelon type of guys. And, of course, James Harden comes along there right after that and, and you know, serves as their sixth man and is playing down the stretch in key moments and all of that. So it's a little bit different from the makeup of the team. I feel like Scott Brooks, uh, you, you could make a case that in, in some cases that he was babysitting uh, out there and, and was gifted a really good situation there. Oklahoma City just being well run and drafting well. Um, but but I would agree at least, though, that it's surprising that they haven't at least uh, since, you know, you're doing your due diligence and there is a seemingly a connection there and a, lo- a logical connection there. It's a little bit surprising that they haven't reached out. I almost forgot about them until you mentioned yeah. it. But, but don't forget Washington. Because Washington, Washington, yes, yes, Washington yes. Before he got there, they weren't in the playoffs. They missed the playoffs in 2016, and then in 2017, they were, you know, uh, basically a Kelly Olynyk explosion away from going, you know, to the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah. So I mean, there. So the, the 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 beginning of Washington, I think, should matter with Brooks, and then you know, at the end, Wall got hurt, and then that whole thing right. really became just they're just trying to climb out of the wall hole at that point. But I, I do think that that first year that he had with the wizards is something that you should, that people should at least consider when you look at, you know, his, his resume. Uh, 